Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. We're just going to have to come out and play with our hair on fire, honestly. We're just going to have to come out here. we got nothing to lose now. We're, we're, uh, we're a little bit down, and, and you know we, we're playing catch-up, but every single day is the most important day of the year. It's, it's hard for me to say that because I've always told these guys that my day is the most important game of the year, but every game we play from now on is uh, the most important game of the year. And it starts with a difficult stretch of baseball with the Cardinals in Milwaukee tonight. Welcome to the Danny Mac Show, a Friday edition. Really, it's like a holiday edition, Tanner, when you think about it. We're staring right ahead of us is a three-day weekend. And you came in here kind of mumbling down. Randy's excited. I'm not sure, you know, about everybody else here at the station, but it's three days coming up, baby, and you've got it coming off, and I, I, I don't want to see you down like this. I'm not down. I'm excited for the three-day weekend. I, I'm i heading back home for a change, so I'm, oh, good ready. For you. I'm ready to uh, – maybe the mumbling was the fact that I was uh, maybe already at the weekend. Yeah. That may have been what was going on, so – my bad. I'll bring up the energy a little bit. You have, um, what's that say? Tommy Edmond? Yeah. What, let's not follow what says on the rundown there. Oh, because okay. Because Tanner doesn't know where he put it now. That's all right. The you weekend's know, already here again. See? You know, one of the things that I want to get into, and uh, this is a, a writer, R.J. Anderson, right? And he wrote the, uh, the piece that we were reading on CBS Sports the other day about the Atlantic League. And they're instituting all these goofy rules with Major League Baseball in mind. So they're kind of the lab rats of do you push the mound back, the various things that they're doing with the shifts, all that kind of stuff. And apparently some of the players are like, the heck with this. I don't want to do that. I I don't want to be a lab rat for anything. No. I I can't imagine being, I'm trying to get into the Major Leagues. All right, well, that's cool. Let's bump the mound back just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating piece. So we're going to get into that. Um, And again, the Cardinals are in Milwaukee tonight. So they start two and a half back in the wild card. Reds, well, you have the Dodgers and, well, now it's the Giants. Giants, because the Dodgers have overtaken the, the Giants out west. So it's the Giants, and they lead it by a huge margin over the Cincinnati Reds for that second spot. Padres half game back. Phillies now two. Cardinals two and a half. The Mets are five. I had mentioned before with you and BK a couple of different times, I was saying, hey, man, Phillies, watch out for them because the soft portion in their schedule is coming up. And they've been able to take advantage of that and the fact that Bryce Harper has been awesome. He's been awesome. He has been great, and they are taking advantage of it. I thought their pitching was going to be a little bit of kind of what the Cardinals was because I'm not that big a fan of their bullpen, even though they added to it with Ian Kennedy and they added uh, Kyle Gibson to the rotation. But I thought "Ah, maybe their bullpen won't be able to kind of do what the Cardinals did be around that June where you got some pitching, but it's not enough to take advantage of those 500 teams. And I've been completely wrong because they've won (laughs) six in a row and they're playing really well. So the remaining schedule, it's the second hardest the Cardinals do. 526 opponent winning percentage. The Cardinals this year have been 23 and 35 against teams that are above 500 this season. Three at Milwaukee, come home. Then you've got the Dodgers and the Reds. Go on the road in the second to last road trip. It's just three games against the Mets. 
Then you have three against San Diego at home. Then you go on the road again at Milwaukee, at Wrigley Field, wrap it up with Milwaukee and Chicago at home. So that is what's left in what is the final month of this 2021 campaign. In terms of what it feels like in that clubhouse, Adam Wainwright was on with Carriker and Smallman and talked about that. We're kind of sneaking on people right now because nobody, nobody thought we would even be close to this situation. Um, I, I looked just two days ago. We were three and a half games back, and our Vegas odds to make the playoffs were like 3%. And I just I, I can't understand that math. And that's fine because that just drives us even more. Man, especially me. I, I'll be <laughs> – let me look up there and see we got 4% chance to make the playoffs. When I pitch on in a couple of days, I'll be fired up. I can tell you that. Well, he's going to be fired up tonight, and it's a little – history tonight too um adam wainwright yadier molina it'll be the 300th time tanner that they have been battery mates which is just remarkable fourth all time to reach this milestone they sit fourth all time amongst starts between battery mates and leading the way mickey lolich and bill freehand they're at 324 and tonight will be number 300 so you're figuring that what do you think? Wayno gets four or five more starts, so you end the season, regular season, at 304, 305, something like that, depending on how it plays out. Um, and then you're only, at that point, you know, roughly 20 starts away if Wayno comes back and they'll be the all-time record holders in battery mates. That's incredible. That's just a, such a cool thing to think about because we talked about this, I think it was earlier this week or last week, about Yadier Molina is the only guy that I've grown up knowing because he's been here for around 20 years. He's the only guy I've known that's been a, the catcher for the Cardinals. Adam Wainwright's one of those starters that's one of those guys that I've really only known growing up. Our pulse the same way, of course, but he's with the L.A. Dodgers and coming to town. It's such a cool feat to think that those guys are going to go down in the history books. And I almost really, I know Wainwright's on the fence, but I have a feeling Wainwright's going to look at that and yeah, he's going to say, dude, just one more. One more year, you come in, give us 20 starts, give us 32 starts, pitch like this. We're going to set records. You're going to be great, and we'll make another playoff push. He is the player or the pitcher of the month, too, in August. Six games, went 5-1, and 1-4-3, the ERA, 44 innings, only six walks, struck out 36. He dominated, obviously, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and tonight it's number 300 between Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. 300 is just a cool number, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's just something that I don't know if that'll ever happen again, ever. Maybe probably won't, honestly. So pretty special to be able to say I'm doing that with uh, with one of my, my boys and playing catch every fifth day with such a special person and special player. It's just uh, it's unspeakable. You know, I don't even know what to say about it. I agree with them. I, I don't think it ever happens again. Um, number one, you're talking about two players that want to play a long time, obviously. Wayno now 40. Uh, Yachty will be 39. And then you think of the, the health of guys. That's so hard to, to just play that long and stay healthy. The fact the odds are against you that you're going to be playing that long. Um, and then it takes two to tango. And in this day and age of free agency, when you think about it, you know, Wayno probably could have left other times. Yachty could have left other times. Or the team could have said, hey, we're turning the page. You guys have been here forever, and, and it's been great, but we need to turn the page. So it, 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 all those factors that have to come together to make that happen, um, I'm with them. And especially in this day and age, what's the motivation for a player to continue to play when they've made a quarter of a million, uh, billion dollars, which some of these guys will, or they make over $200 million, whatever? Um, there is none in the financial yeah. part of it. I mean, you're sitting there saying, I mean, how much money is enough? So you have to have 
something innate, something that is in you to drive you to do this. And uh, obviously those guys love to compete. That's part of it. And want to win. And so it's an amazing feat, and I don't think we'll ever see it again. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we'll ever see it again. And with Major League Baseball, too, there's a lot of teams that just don't don't spend the money to keep the talent around, too, because there are, like, uh, JT Realmuto was with the Marlins. Would he ever finish his career with the Marlins? No, I don't know if we'll ever really see a guy that spends his whole career that's 15-plus years with a team that's in a small market like that. Now, maybe things will change when the new CBA comes around and there's a floor and maybe teams will have to spend more. But I, I, it's just so difficult for that to happen. And then catchers, too. Now, Nowadays, you still see some teams, when you get a veteran catcher, they try and move them around a little bit. Buster Posey spent a lot of time at first base. He's played catcher a lot this year, but the D- Giants did at one point move him to first base to get him out behind such a grueling position. If there was ever a guy to stay in Arizona, it was Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, yeah. he, he was the guy that was the face of their franchise in the prime of his career and traded to St. Louis. Um, and I've talked to many people that um, were around him in his time in Arizona, and they said, man, this guy, not only was he a great player, and we're seeing that on display here in St. Louis, but he was also the guy that was active in the community. He was kind of the face of the team at community functions, doing the, the hospital visits, the various things that a leader does. And if that guy doesn't finish in Arizona, you think, like, who the heck is? You know what I mean? Those kind of players. So to your point, it is interesting when you don't see those players stay now in april and may paul goldschmidt 239 the average six home runs 27 driven in in the first couple of months since the start of june he's popped 18 home runs he's driven in 55 his ops is 960 and uh, mike schilt was on mlb network radio yesterday and he said this guy is truly the pillar of our lineup really of our team seen Goldie really good, you know, and he's been exceptionally good um, for a while now. He's, you know, he's he's a good player, and um, you know, clearly, and um, using the whole field, driving the baseball, obviously, but um, you know, he's just he's driving, like I said, just to reiterate, he's driving the ball everywhere, and he just crushed two balls yesterday, um, and a big homer to in the first inning of the first game on uh, on on Tuesday or Monday. Um, to run homer to get it started on the board. So he's um, really swung the bat well, been a, been a big um, pillar of our of our offense, clearly, and, and um, done a great job for us. He's been great. He'll be in the lineup tonight, and uh, he's a reason that offensively the team has been able to, to win some of these games. He single-handedly has won games, which is what he did the other day during the doubleheader. He hits two home runs. He was on base four times, scored three or four runs. Um, and this is the player that you thought you were getting. I've said it this year. I don't know if you agree with this, Tanner. I, you know, I've seen just about every done every one of his games in St. Louis, and he's always really good defensively. I think this has been his best year defensively I'm with too. You. For whatever reason, I, I just think he's made some plays that have been standouts. And he's always good. He's steady, but this year has been better than ever. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. He's been good every year he's been here, but I don't know what it is. But for some reason, I'm with you. He stands out a little bit more defensively, and I don't know if it's because there's a little bit more of maybe he's got the Nolan Arnato effect with him. He's got we see the two Gold Glovers on the corners, and he's picking balls left and right. And you with him being so hot at the top of the order, he's hitting second. I love the one-two combo of him and Tommy Edmond, especially the way Tommy Edmond's been swinging the bat. Mike Schilt was on BK and Ferrario, I believe, during spring training or right before spring training, and they were talking then about the Goldie Arnato two-three combo, and we want that. We want to punch you in the gut right when the game begins. Yeah. 
that never really came to it because Goldie Arnado still never got going at the same time. But they're now getting it, and they're getting it with Tommy Edmond at the top of the order with all his extra base hits. And then you've got Goldschmidt, who's just crushing the ball, makes the lineup a little lethal at the top, and maybe gets you that early punch in the first inning. 573 says Danny Mac loved the show. If Wainwright has another month like he had in August, doesn't he have to be in the uh, Cy Young thoughts, if not the favorite? Well, that would be interesting because that would be five more wins. So he would essentially in August and September then would have gone to 10 and two with an ERA under one and a half. Now, when you think about it, if he's doing that, he's doing it against some of the best teams in the league too. So yeah, he would probably get some consideration, I would think. And he probably should because he's going to lead the league in innings too. Um but it's also based, to me, if the team is playing well and they get in postseason play, you just take harder looks at teams that have success and then say, why did you get there because of this individual, that individual? So, yeah, I think that there, there would be some consideration um, for that. Now, also, the 573 going back to Paul Goldschmidt. He said, Danny Mack, you also talked about how many hard hit balls he had in May and June didn't fall for hits. It was something like 27. Yeah, he actually led the league in hard hit rate percentage. So some of that is just finding holes, little luck, and now it's it's happening. So maybe not a lot has changed with him except the results. But he's, he's still hitting the ball hard in talking about Paul Goldschmidt. Um, Let's see, 618, Danny Mac. Speaking of Wayno and Molina potentially breaking the all-time battery record, they have done it with a five-man rotation as opposed to a four-man. Good point. Somebody just brought up here on the text line, too, if Wayno is not hurt for two years, they maybe are approaching, let's see, he said 400, or she did. Let's see, if you add in two more stars, 30, that's 60, you'd be right around 480, or excuse me, 380. 370, that range, yeah, you're getting close. And then add on next year, if you have 25, 30 starts, then you're 400 together. That would be unbelievable. That would be a heck of a feat. I mean, because he did. He, he had Tommy John, and then he had the uh, the Achilles. I also wonder if Wayno doesn't have the two years that he's hurt, and if he comes back next year, so say he got through those two years, are we talking about Hall of Fame? And I, I said that a couple years ago, and people said you were nuts. And I said, I don't think so. I said, that's two full years of Adam Wainwright in his prime. So let's say you're adding 30 more wins, a lot more innings, more strikeouts. More consideration for some more Cy Youngs yeah. as well. Some top five finishes maybe. He maybe gets, it's not. He's a part of a World Series team in 2011 if he's healthy too. And I think that's, that would be huge too. He has the World Series title in 06, but he was a closer. He wasn't a starter. And I think if he was a starter, imagine him and Carpenter as starters for that 2011 team. I think that would definitely help Adam Wainwright's case if he was healthy and starting for that 2011 team and he has two World Series titles. So he does. I mean, because he's on the, he's got rings. He does, but he didn't pitch in 2011. Understood. That's what I'm saying. Right. And the fact that he's closed out a World Series and a famous moment with him getting the, the strikeout of Brandon Inge and the famous strikeout that he had in New York. I mean, I... You'd be you'd be talking about a guy that's getting consideration. I do think that. I do. I agree with you. And he has the big moment, too, as a starter in the playoffs. Was it 2013 in the NLDS, Game 5, where Against he shuts Pirates. down the Pirates? Went oh, look the at distance. that. Common theme. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about what's happening uh, in the Atlantic League. And there's a really interesting story on CBS Sports. And uh, R.J. Anderson authored that piece. So we're going to visit with him. 
to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Well, BK is out today, this weekend, and uh, Danny Mac's show on a Friday as we get set for the three-day weekend, and we get set for baseball tonight, the Cardinals and the Brewers, and you can see that game on Bally Sports. I believe my partner for the game will be one Jim Edmonds, but you never know. You know, you just kind of show up and whoever sits next to you and just let it rip. Always like a good surprise. Absolutely. You never know what you're going to get. Really love this article, and it's on CBS Sports. And the article uh, really gets into what's happening with the Atlantic League, which has some of the crazy rules. Some people may like it. Some people may not. But really, it's, it's being used as, for lack of a better term, testing ground for what may happen in the future of the sport like moving the mound back by a foot, things of that nature. And writing this piece was R.J. Anderson of CBS Sports. You can follow him at uh, R underscore J underscore Anderson. And he's been kind enough to uh, talk about the piece uh, that we're referring to here on 101 ESPN. Hey, R.J., uh, happy Friday to you. And uh, thanks for for hopping on. Really good piece. And uh, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. Um Let's let's very you know broad base. Why did you do this piece, and what were you trying to get out of it? Because it is a great piece. Well, I appreciate you saying that. But basically, you know, I had the same curiosity that I think you do, and that everyone else who follows the sport has. You know, what's going on with these new rules? Are they feasible? Is it possible that they're going to make their way to the majors? You know, I wanted to talk to players and all those involved, and just get a feel for how it was going. Because you know, we were two or three weeks in at that point, and you know, the players know better than anyone, right? If it's going to work, if there are drawbacks. So I thought that would be educational, informative, and it turned out that it was a bigger story than I expected, to be honest with you. Yeah, bigger story in what way? What did, what did you find out? I mean, I, I read the piece, but I'd rather have you explain it with the player reactions and things of that nature, yeah. which was great. Um, so how was it a bigger piece for you? Yeah, so when I went in, I kind of expected the players would be, you know, maybe a little timid to talk. So, you know, I gave them... We gave them anonymity, you know, that way they could just get their true feelings out there because there had been some press that, you know, coaches weren't allowed to talk about this. So I kind of figured going in, there might be some negative feelings about the world changes. But what I uncovered by talking to these players is that they were so aggrieved by what the league has become and all these experiments that are being ran without any concern for their well-being or their livelihoods or their career aspirations that they were going to stage a walkout, basically, you know. Uh, organized act of labor in order to get the league to reconsider. And that did not happen because of the consequences that would have came from it. But, you know, that's more serious than I realized it would have been going into it. Did you find that it was more because of the the pitchers moving back a foot and they weren't necessarily prepared uh, to do that? For instance, we had Frank Viola on a couple weeks ago, and he's – coaching uh in the league and he said well we're getting ready for it and i said well, what have you been doing to prepare for it he said absolutely nothing he said we're, we're going to find out as we go so um have you found that it, were guys having more problems more injuries when they move the mound back specifically with the pitchers yeah so it's hard to say about the injury aspect just because you know there are so many factors that go into that and i don't want to you know, assign blame for something that may have happened regardless. But the pitchers I talked to actually said they adjusted pretty quickly. The problem was, you know, it was unveiled to them. And, you know, it was put into effect without a weekend break or without 
a week off or anything to really give them time to prep. Because think about it, you know, if you're a pitcher and you're throwing off the traditional mound distance, you're not going to want to mess with anything until you actually have to. And so I know Rick White, the Atlantic League president, told me that some teams did prepare in the lead up to that. None of the pitchers I talked to really did. It could just be, you know, a matter of sampling or what have you. But, yeah, they were just unhappy with how it was introduced. They were unhappy with the explanation the leagues gave about their health because if you read the study that they were provided, it really doesn't incorporate baseball game aspects. You know, they're not throwing 100 pitches and they're not throwing sliders and they're not working back-to-back nights. So I think there were a lot of reasonable points made by the pitchers and by the players of how the leagues could have done a better job incorporating this rule change. One of the uh, quotes that you had there, it was, for me, it wasn't an issue, said one pitcher who added that his uh, softer-tossing teammates have more complaints. Another said, quote, honestly, I think I'm actually pitching better. The reason? The additional movement their pitches enjoyed over the longer journey. Um, It said, uh, you know, some were apprehensive about it, but was there any tangible evidence that came back that maybe offense was up or that surprisingly maybe pitching got better yeah that's the funny thing um rob arthur a baseball prospectus who is a really really good researcher maybe the best public researcher and analyst we have out there nowadays he ran the numbers and he found that strikeouts and home runs were actually up since the rule tweak <laughs> now this is a small sample you know maybe it evens out of a longer haul but it's basically the opposite of what we expected based on what we know about physics and what we know about what that additional foot would do for perceived velocity and pitch movement and whatnot. And I actually found it funny. Um, I talked to a couple of hitters as well, and I had this confirmed by pitchers that some of the hitters are just moving up in the box. So, you know, that extra foot of distance is being erased by the hitters, and it kind of renders the entire thing moot. So they would move up because you're going to have a little bit more break. Let's say you're a curveball guy, and it might be just that that extra foot's going to give you a little bit more break. So now you're moving up in the box to negate that, essentially, is what's happening. Right. Exactly. And you have to remember, they have the automated uh, ball strike system in play as well. So they're actually seeing a different strike zone than, you know, major league hitters or minor league hitters are outside of the leagues that are also using that. So, yeah, there's just a confluence of factors there that makes it hard to suss out what's what. But it doesn't seem like it's had the intended effect based on that small sample analysis. How about the uh, the strike zone, the automated strike zone? Have, have they found that that's worked now? It's being used in the lower levels of minor league baseball, but this is different. You know, this is a totally different uh, league. So are they finding that this is working out and working well? Yeah, I can tell you the pitchers hate it. I mean, you know, they were sort of indifferent to the mound change now that they've gotten used to it, but they hate the automated strike zone. And I had one pitcher point out to me that, you know, pitchers are getting credit for – these breaking balls that are just nicking the bottom of the zone. And he said, you know, this is not pitching. This is not something you do intentionally. It's really changed and, you know, skewed the game in a way that he wasn't a fan of, even though, you know, to be honest, he's probably getting more favorable calls. And I had another pitcher tell me he feels like he has to throw it down the middle of the plate to get a call. And stuff like that just seems to impact it more than the additional mound distance seems to. If he's getting more favorable calls, why do you think he's against it? just because it's not the norm of what he grew up with? I think that's probably a part of it. You know, human beings do not like change, especially if it's change in arenas where we feel very strongly about. And so, you know, I think he also views it as a craft, you know, the the ability to paint the zone and, you know, manipulate the zone and what have you. And it feels like that's being robbed from him. So I would say it's probably a combination of those two factors above all. 
you know, one of the things, too, that um, and I'm not sure you were able to get into this all that much, but we hear about the sticky and the foreign substances being used in Major League Baseball. And there are baseballs that they feel that could be used that would still uh, give you the grip without having to doctor the baseball. Are they doing that? Are they using that or are they using any kind of substance to, to kind of test it to see if it works? Not to my knowledge. I know that, you know, what you're talking about, some of the overseas leagues, for instance, use tackier balls that would presumably help teams and uh, pitchers cut down on their sticky stuff and use it here. But uh, that was not something that came up during my conversations with players. How about uh, any of the other rules that really jumped out at you in terms of the shift and uh, bigger bases, those kind of things that uh, have been used in this league as, as kind of a testing ground? Yeah, I had a player who was a position player praise the bigger bases. He yeah. said that it helps to avoid unnecessary collisions and that he's a big fan of those. So it's not all negative. Uh, the shift, nobody brought that up. They, I do know that they altered their shift rules a little bit where now you're allowed to align your fielders as you want. The only difference between that and the way it is in the majors right now is that when the pitch is released, your infielders have to either be on the infield grass or on the dirt. They can't be in the outfield. So not sure how exactly that's impacted the play, but it's a sensible solution, I think, that's more um, – reasonable than you know outright banning defensive shifts are they able to so let's say the shortstop wants to go on the second base side of the bag are they limiting that as well in these shifts Not anymore okay yeah not anymore you don't have to have two infielders on either side of the second base bag you're allowed to position them as you like them so long as they're either on the infield grass or on the infield dirt. You just can't put them in the outfield for a Ted Williams overshift. Sure. R.J. Anderson is our guest, uh, covers Major League Baseball, and great article at CBSSports.com. Just a couple more questions. I'm going to let you go. Um, do you think that they continue with this going forward? It, when articles like this come out and you know people see this kind of stuff and, and it opens up their eyes to maybe an aspect they didn't think about, do you think that will make changes in terms of them going back to the traditional 60 feet, six inches? I honestly don't think so. I think they're going to, I do think they're going to continue to experiment. I don't think that this article is going to change anything. I don't know that a couple of other articles would change anything. I think that the league is very committed to being a testing ground for MLB. Clearly they benefit from the partner association and they feel that this is their way of staying relevant and they feel that this is their way of helping shape baseball's future and you know unfortunately the players don't really have much say in this because they don't have a union they don't have an organized representation and you know the public kind of views them as players who are whining even though they get to play baseball professionally you know they don't view them in the same air they might view major league players or even minor leaguers what are these guys making do you have any idea uh, they don't make very much. Um, yeah. I had one. I don't know the exact amount off the top of my head, but it's comparable to minor league life, except, you know, you don't have as much advocacy and you don't have that security of being employed by a major league organization. I had one player tell me, you know, he's eating peanut butter and jelly still and their living conditions are miserable. And, you know, they are in such a financial state that winter ball jobs, which I think we all kind of take for granted, are a huge part of their financial outlay. So, it's a not a great lifestyle. It's certainly not you know what people envision when they think of professional ball players, and it's unfortunate because it does you know they have this belief among the players that the Atlantic League itself received financial compensation as part of this, and yet it hasn't trickled down to them. And my final question would be this: um, 
a lot of times the Atlantic League, we see big-name players that have been in the major leagues, and they're trying to give it one more go or come back from a surgery or an injury, and nobody wants them, so they go to the Atlantic League, they reestablish themselves, velocity all of a sudden comes back, and they're back on the radar of some teams in Major League Baseball. Did you have a chance to visit with any like former major leaguers or guys that were close to Major League Baseball that are going through it, You know, specifically the pitchers that had to move back another foot? Yeah, so like I said, we kept the players anonymous so they could speak freely. So I don't want to give away sure. anyone's identity here. But you are correct that you know the Atlantic League has been a, a haven for players like, for instance, Rich Hill. You know, he went down there and he basically saved his career a few years back. And I will know because it's somewhat related that you know the players I talked to are afraid that the league collection is changing. It's no longer a Triple A or Quad A league, it's more like a High A league because of all these changes and what it's doing to. The talent base. So, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the Atlantic League of old is going to remain the Atlantic League of the future. Absolutely. Hey, uh, RJ, thanks so much for coming on. Really good stuff. Love the article. And again, for folks that want to read it, just uh, find RJ Anderson and it's at uh, cbssports.com. Thanks for your work and uh, really nice piece. Thanks. Thank you, and it was an honor being on your show. You got it. Thank you. That is uh, RJ Anderson from uh, CBS Sports. I don't know, man. I, I find it um, in his article is really good. It gets into a lot of different stuff. And I think it's neat that and the right way to do it, that he decided to let these guys be anonymous. So you truly get a feel of what's happening. I can't imagine being a former major league pitcher. And as may, maybe some of these guys have made really good money. And then all of a sudden they say, well, you're down here. Tough luck. And you got to move back by a foot when they're trying to reestablish their careers. That is not an easy thing to do, and it's unfortunate that they are lab rats with this, but it looks like going forward, as RJ said, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, it feels like that's the way it's going to be for the Atlantic League, and, and, and that is a tough, that's a tough adjustment because that's changing the game completely. I know it's just a foot, and I know a lot of listeners would say, well, what's a foot? How much is it, effect is that going to have? That has a lot. I remember we had uh, Eno Cyrus on f- from The Athletic. He's joining us on BK and Ferrario today, and he talked about, you know, that extra foot, it adds more movement to pitches, but also gives hitters more time to react, too. And he mentioned how batters are moving up into the box. So it's basically changing a game that you've grown up with. Maybe you've gone to the major leagues, as you mentioned, a couple players that have done that, and you get used to that, and then you go, and it's all of a sudden a completely different game. And that makes it really tough to adjust to it, especially if you're a veteran that played at the major league level like a Rich Hill had and then changed his career and was able to get back to the major leagues. That would be a super tough adjustment, and it's basically on the fly. It's, okay, I'm throwing at 60 feet 6 inches. I need to go to the Atlantic League, maybe re- resurrect my career. And then next thing I know, I'm throwing from an extra foot back. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. And I I think we won't get the full feel of this, um, Tanner, until the studies are done after the season. So they've just started this. Remember, Frank Viola was on, what was it, when the Twins were in town. So we're talking about maybe three, four weeks ago. And uh, one month does not do it justice. I mean, you have to look at a full body of work. And and that's what they're doing, by the way, at the different levels of minor league baseball. Now, I, I talked to John Mosaloc about that, um, and he said that by the middle of August, he said he probably would start doing some studies to see, you know, do the bigger bases work? Are the shifts or the non-shifts helping? Um, what's going on with the automated strike zone? I had somebody tell me they were down at a... Uh, it's a ball basically, and they were down at a game a couple weeks ago, and uh, Austin Dean was at the plate rehabbing, and uh, 
So he thinks he walks, drops the bat, starts to walk, and it, he said it took a while for the the for whatever reason the actual strike zone to call it a strike. He thought it was a ball, so he's walking. He's about a third, and he, not that he was mad. I mean, the players kind of know. Like, here's the deal: it's not the umpire's fault. It's an automated system, and it is what it is. So you essentially have somebody up in the press box looking at that, and they say, okay, it's it got called a ball or a strike, and then it gets relayed down to the home plate umpire. And so they've got like an earpiece or something with that. And so he had to come back. He like, picked up his bat, and he's kind of laughing, and then goes back and then you know starts to hit. But they've got to work out little things like that. The one that I really want to see of interest, I think the bigger bases, does it help you with base stealing? You know, it, Are we seeing that? I don't like to see them limit how many times you can throw over, even though I'd probably be booing if I was a fan of the stands when a guy's throwing over eight times. I boo. Yes. Um, I think that is something of interest to try to promote more movement on the bases. And I think the limit of shifts. I I just Now, we may have an influx of young players that have dealt with this in their travel situation. These really good high-end players, what I'm talking about. And maybe they're dealing with it in high school, which I've heard many times now we see shifts in high school. You're certainly going to get it in college, and you're certainly going to get it in the minor leagues. So we may have a new wave of young players that learn how to adapt against the shift. We can see now with older players, some just have not, and it's cost them. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, to say, well, let's limit shifts. Personally, I think you should with the way that things are going offensively, but we might have that new wave that comes in and says, hey, I can hit against this. No big deal. You want to put three over there? I'm going to drop a bun or go the other way. And you know I'm a tradition traditionalist, so I'm in favor of keeping the shifts just because I think it's one of those where I don't like to take away strategy. That's also why I don't want to see the DH because I think there's a little less strategy involved than when you have the pitcher and you have to manipulate his spot in the order. But I am interested to see how that works. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the bigger bases because if that leads to maybe more stolen bases, I do think we need to get back to more running in the game because right now it's just too much station-to-station station oh, yeah. action. That's why Starling Marte, when he's been doing what he's been doing in the National League where he led and then he went to the American League and has, I think it's 20 stolen bases now, he's a fun player to watch because he gets on base. He doesn't have the, He has power, but he doesn't hit for that much power. Then he gets on and he's willing to run and it just adds to the action. Um, and you think about stolen bases. So, you know, you're like one, three to the plate. That's kind of the, you're below one, three, you're not going. And you, you, there's a formula that they look at, but if you're like one, five, one, six, there's a chance that you're running. Now, first of all, you got to have a guy that can steal bases that can run a little bit. You're talking, does the guy have a good move? Like Wade Miley has a good move. He picked off Rondon the other day inexplicably, but it happened. Um, is your catch-and-throw guy, like Real Muto is tremendous in the analytics of catch-and-throw. So you, you have that combination of whether or not you you decide to, to run. But a lot of the, and think about it, it's always pretty much bang-bang, right? You know, mm-hmm. outer yeah. save is bang-bang. Does that extra three to six inches, depending on what they come up with, allow you to be more aggressive in running. I mean, it's down to the finite detail, and if you add just a little bit more, maybe that allows you to say, yeah, we're going to run a little bit more, and I think that would be good for the game. Yeah, I'm with you, and you and you mentioned it comes down to the fine detail. We've seen where it comes down to a string on a glove being right. that out, and you're about a centimeter away from the bag. So just that extra whatever amount it is, that is the difference between being safe and out, and that that's going to make a huge difference for Major League Baseball. I don't know how big a jump it will be, be in stolen bases if that comes down to it 
I don't know if we're going to see bases, stolen bases jump up back to where they were, where Ricky Henderson was stealing over 100 Probably plus. Probably not, but maybe some more running. Maybe you go from Starlin Marte, who's getting 20 stolen bases in the National League, to maybe it's 25, 23. Maybe sure. it adds another three stolen bases, but it just adds a little bit more movement to the game, which it kind of, which it definitely needs. I totally agree. Um, by the way, no BK today. We didn't even mention it at the the top of the the show. BK is out today. He is on his bachelor party, is that correct? Correct. And you're not a part of it? No. You didn't make no. the cut, huh? I did not make the cut. To be fair to BK, I don't know if I was working with him when he created the list. Understood. However, they do need kind of a authority figure and a grown-up part of that group, I would assume, and you would fit the bill. I would, I think, and especially because I think the guy that's going to fit that bill right now is Jamie Rivers. No, he wouldn't. Uh, well, I think he has that title now. Again, I, adult in the room. Yeah, a grown-up. Jamie fits that. Not the Jamie I know. <laughs> we'll be back and go around Major League Baseball right after this. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Love it when we uh, go around the league and talk about some of the news or scores, highlights. And one of the uh, reports is John Heyman, MLB, proposed free agency for players at 29 and a half years. Also, $100 million payroll floor for teams. Sources say the union responded negatively to the overall initial package proposed. That's fine. Here's the thing. Tanner, I just want to see him talking. That's fine. And I, I do think it's imperative. And the deal is up, I believe, December 1st. Um, I think it's imperative that this does not. Baseball is very good at going down to the wire with things, you know, the, the trade deadlines, um, figuring out free agency, those kind of things. And I, I just don't think it would be good for baseball to say, well, let's keep going until, you know, are we going to have spring training? Are we going to we're going to butt this thing up to opening day? You know, with the with the coronavirus and the hits that the teams took last year with no fans and the fact that there have been, you know, ballparks that opened up at 14 percent capacity, then it was 30 and now we're at 100. Uh, and you look across the board, we've seen it's not just in St. Louis, but across the board, not all places, but a lot of them, you know, fans aren't coming out for myriad of, of reasons. Um, I think it's just imperative that you have a normal off season so teams can plan. That teams say, here's our marketing going out. We're going to market that player that we went and signed. So get talking, and we're going to hear things going back and forth all the time. I don't pay much attention to it, but I just think that they have to make sure that by December 1st, it's business as usual, and we have spring training lined up Go to, you know, for many of our fans that go down to Jupiter, Florida. You know, yeah. that that's a trip for them. Um, and you're marketing properly. You're selling your ticket packs. You're doing all the things that you have to do to sustain your business. And by the way, the Hot Stove League is fun. Keeps you in front and center outside of the negative headlines that you get with labor dispute. Yeah, that's the big thing for me is you want to have the hot stove. You want to have that, oh, what is somebody going to be signing? You don't want to hear in December and January and leading into possibly February about teams in the MLB and MLBPA are going back and forth. They can't seem to figure it out. I'm with you. It's good to see that they're talking. And the best thing for me is that we haven't seen any jabs made publicly. Maybe maybe the MLBPA didn't like this package proposed, but we haven't heard anything publicly. And this is really what the second report we've really yeah. heard about and about it's gonna, them talking it's going to go back and forth and I, my understanding of talking with sources is that they have been going back and forth and it's good in the fact that you're not reading about it that's fine um because baseball did themselves no favors 
last summer. It was ugly. Yeah, trying to get just to get back on the field when we all wanted to see sports or some type of distraction, and it was coming down to money, and it was ugly, and it was going back and forth. It was just a terrible look. They didn't do themselves any favors, and I think it those things turn people off a lot. And this is a time that I would say in years past, I'd say, well, if you had a little bit of a stoppage, you can come back from that. That's no problem. People will come back. I, I don't think that now. I, I just don't. I, people need to have a regular offseason and get involved and enjoy the sport. Um, the Cardinals, as Tanner mentioned, they start a three-game series tonight. So you got Wainwright against Peralta. Kwang Hun Kim, Adrian Hauser, that's game two. Sunday, John Lester, Corbin Burns, then the Cardinals come back home. The Cardinals start play uh, two and a half games out in the second wild card. So you have the uh, the Dodgers, the Giants, and, and those two teams will play each other this weekend. And then after that, Cincinnati leads by a half game over San Diego. The Phillies now two, Cardinals two and a half, and the Mets are five back. Some news concerning the American League, and not great news when you think about uh, Tampa Bay. 3-2, and he draws the walk. So Franco will continue that on-base streak. Extends it to 33 consecutive games. Draws the walk, and... Uh, Takes a slow walk up that first baseline. Right here, Dwayne, he said, I think I'm done. Yeah, yeah he, he got the walk. He gets to first base, and uh, something up there on the right side of his head, he keeps working over. He's not feeling great. Um, so that's the good news in that he got to 33 games. He's one of the most exciting young players in the sport. The bad news was he had to leave with a headache, and I don't know. Tanner, if he's got migraines, and if anybody's experienced that, man, it's debilitating. It's awful. So hopefully that's just nothing serious, and he comes back out and is able to play because uh, his squad, they're awfully good. 84 and 50. Now, they have lost a couple, but they uh, lead the wild, or they lead their division, and they'll have a chance to, again, go into postseason play. So the Giants, they took on the Brewers yesterday, and... Uh, San Francisco finally able to salvage a game in that series. Estrada with a deep drive. Left field. Oh, he got all of that one. Tyro Estrada for three. It's 5-1 San Francisco. Giants move into a tie with L.A., first place in the West. First time the teams are tied for first place in September since 1997. That makes it fun down the stretch. Now, the team I've been saying I'm I'm concerned about it. If you're a Cardinal fan, it's the Phillies, and it's because of their schedule. A lot of teams that are sub-500, that's who they're going to face, and that included last night against the Nationals. And he hits that one sharply, and it goes past Garcia off his glove. McCutcheon will score. Heading home is Galvis. He's going to score. And the Phillies have come all the way back. They've tied it up at six. Amazing. Down 6 nothing. Doesn't matter. Uh, the 1-2. Ground ball, right side. Garcia's got it. He thought about going home. That's going to cost him. The Phillies will take the lead. It's a 7-6 ball game. As they mentioned, they were down 6-0 after five innings, and now they have won six in a row. What about the Mets? They're kind of hanging in there, too. Yeah, it is. First pitch of the game, a fly ball, deep left. Goodbye. Home run for Miguel Rojas. And he drives this one, and this is going to go out of the ballpark. A long home run for VR. He breaks one. Rojas.
Ross homers on the first pitch, and now VR does the same, and it's two to one. And the Marlins would uh, drop that game by the final of four to three. So the Mets hanging in there. They're a game under 500 and five back in the wild card. We brought that up because of where they're at in the wild card, but also, as they mentioned, Miguel Rojas, Jonathan VR both hit first pitch leadoff homers and that was the first time in a game that both teams leadoff men hit the first pitch homer since major league baseball started tracking pitch counts in 1988 you go to the ballpark you're going to see something you have never seen and you're going to see it every single night in the game just the way it is it's a weird game and it's a beautiful game and i love it could Makes be, it fun. Could be with a bat. Could be on first pitch home runs. You never know. You're coming up uh, with, so we have no BK. No BK. Alex is in. Alex is in. It's me and him. And we will have three hours of Radio Gold coming up. Radio Gold is what I like to say. We'll talk about the Cardinals and the Brewers as they start this three-game stretch in this gauntlet of the schedule that they are about to start. And we will also have Darren Pang at 11.30. Talk about the Colton Preco extension with him and Eno Saris of The Athletic. We'll talk with him and get his thoughts on this Cardinals team as well. All right, buddy. Great job this week. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Everybody enjoy Labor Day. And uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.